This is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Are you ready for a break? Uh, Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, October 16th, 2019, season 15, episode number 65. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break, live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Uh, today we get into the Eagles. We're going to talk a lot about these Philadelphia Eagles, particularly the, particularly the offense of the Eagles. Uh, Nick's going to also break down his storylines for the week uh, that he sets up every week on DallasCowboys.com. And, of course, we have to talk a little bit about an injury. Seems like that's a common topic right now. But yesterday we find out Cowboys lose Tyrone Crawford, it looks like, for the season. Uh, what do we know about that? I mean, like, when did the, is this something that he came into the year with and yes. just kind of got progressively worse? This is something that he's had since the end of last year. And, it, you know, he tried his best to get it right. I, I, I said it yesterday, is like, as far as... As far as like injuries that end your season without being like Carter off the field, like I feel like the writing was on the wall for this. Like it's not super surprising. Yeah, uh, Tyrone didn't have much of a training camp. He's been trying to rehab this thing since at least the spring, if not even earlier than that. Um, you know, and you know he played the first two games, and when you heard he missed two games after that, and you know, like right after the Washington game, they were like, "Well, Tyrone's going to miss this game. Like it's not even a question of." practicing Thursday, Friday, he's just not going to play. You're like, ah, that that doesn't seem like a good sign. And he tried to gut it out, couldn't do it. He's going to get surgery. Um, It's fair to say this raises a lot of questions about his future with the team. Uh, I think they can save something like $8 million if they cut him this offseason. Obviously, he's a huge locker room guy, big in terms of culture, but you do wonder if maybe this is the end for him. Tell me what this means for the rest of the roster, um, what the Cowboys have left, how they fill the void that he's uh, that he's gonna gonna leave behind. You don't fill that void this year because they don't have a player like him, and that's why he's on the team. I mean, that, I mean it's not why he's on the team, but that's why he's one of the captains, one of the highest paid players on the defense because he can do some things that n- other players don't. And as far as stopping the run and getting some good pass rush. Um, He's tied for the team lead with tackles for loss with two, with Jalen Smith and Christian Covington. Um, that tells you a lot right there, you. given the fact that he hasn't been playing in all the games. That's a low number for it's weeks. A, it's a low number, <laughs> yeah. and, and we're not talking about a starting defensive lineman right now that's in that group because um, Christian Covington's been a backup. He's played some, I guess, for uh, Woods, but um, Jalen Smith is a linebacker. You know, you, you just think you'd get more – tackles for loss there so I, I mean Tristan Hill I think will will play more that doesn't that's that's going to be a drop off and then they'll have to figure out you know and then Dorrance Armstrong's banged up at defensive end so you know what we were talking before about these these injuries come in bunches there's your two defensive ends uh Crawford and and Armstrong you have two corners banged up two receivers banged up and obviously the two tackles and they did. They signed a guy by the name of Justin Hamilton. Uh, yeah. 
He's a he's a one technique type of guy, six two, three twenty, like mm-hmm. kind of big fatty. That that sounds so it. calling a pro athlete a big fatty. He's the trash can full of dirt type of D tackle that yeah. a lot of people have said this team needs, but that doesn't necessarily replace Tyrone. Like right. that's not really what Tyrone did. Uh, so I am curious about that, especially Dorrance Armstrong is dealing with a stinger. He's not practicing today, so. There isn't an obvious clear-cut candidate to take those snaps that Tyrone was yeah, getting. Yeah, Tristan might not play, actually, if you think about it. If this guy's ready to play. Jason Garrett did—I mean, Jason Garrett anticipates that this will be an opportunity for Hill. For but Hill. He, but even still— How much experience does that, does that guy have? He's played eight games. He's been in the oh. eight career games. He's he's the classic, like, on-and-off-of-practice-squads type of guy. Mm-hmm. He's been in the league since 15, but he's only played in eight career games. He's got three career tackles. Yeah, he's, I mean, he hasn't done a whole lot, but he's been around. He's been he, around since 15, but he's only been on a 53-man roster twice before this. Uh, he was with he was at training camp with the Chiefs and hasn't he hasn't been on a team since he got cut at the end of the preseason. So, I would think he's practice squad eligible too, don't you think? Eight games? I, I don't know, but that's but he's been on a lot of practice squads already to this point. Oh, okay. Like he spent a year with Seattle. He's he's been around, so I don't know if he has eligibility or not. Going back to training camp, I think we had the conversation a couple times about uh, Kerry Hyder and the fact that they were moving him around between defensive end and defensive Hyder's tackle. a guy that would benefit from is this. Is this yeah. a guy that now has to can slide into a role similar to what Ty- Tyrone Crawford was was having? And I'm not talking about the production necessarily as much as it is just the flexibility of being able to play all those different positions. Maybe he becomes that hybrid player for them. Or maybe you just don't use a hybrid player, and that's why Hamilton's here. Is like now you have two pretty clear cut one techniques in Wood. Well, you got well you got Woods and uh, and Ham- Hamilton now you got Hill and Malik and then uh Covington Covington, Covington could probably do a little bit of both um but so not, you have some guys who could do both in a pinch your, right not your end tackle right guys. I don't know that you have a true like end tackle I mean I know Hyder could but we haven't really seen it since the season started and you know my thoughts on that I think as good as it sounds and as good as it is to have on game day I think it it hurts the players progression too and it definitely hurts them in in, in terms of their stats and you know, relative to their contract and all that. I mean, every year, I remember asking Tyrone Crawford at least three or four times since he's been here, what is your position? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, oh, good question. I mean, you know, and it's it's Poor the guy same. had to keep changing his weight back and forth, deal. dealing with that. And people don't realize, I, I, when that came out, the, the report and the news about him getting the surgery and being out for the whole year, I saw a lot of people on Twitter being like, well, doesn't matter. He wasn't doing anything. And like what some of those people don't realize is how he actually impacts the defensive line. And even if he's not the one making tackles or getting to the quarterback, he is still affecting the way that the rest of the guys on the D line are producing. He was playing really well last year, and and I thought, you know, I, I thought, you know, we said it yesterday. I thought that was a big issue uh, this year. You, you you think that that I was implying? Nick knew something. No, I didn't. I really like, didn't. The way he was going at it yesterday, it kind of took me aback. And then afterwards, when I heard the news, I was like, "Yeah, you." You thought something. the implier was yeah, uh, stri- implier strikes back. Yeah, the writing. The I writing, didn't know that. Yeah. I was I mean, shocked to I'm, hear that. I'm not. not I'm shocked. not saying that I knew, but like I, the writing has been on the wall. Like you mm-hmm. have, you know, I, I talked to Tyrone in the cafeteria back during July and kind of got the sense that I was like, I thought you would be 
further along with this than you are. And like not in like an accusatory way, but just kind of like this is a bigger problem than I thought it was. And, then, and he was admit, he admitted. Yeah, just kind of like, you know, still working on it, still like really grinding hard in my rehab. And I was like, oh, like I, I didn't realize that's where this was. Yeah. And then, you know, he didn't have a training camp. And again, you play two games and immediately have to sit down. And it's not like, a, oh, he might be ready to play. It's like, no, he's not going to play. Yeah. You just sort of, you know, I didn't know he was going to get shut down for the season, but I was like, this is a pro. Like, this is more than a, you know, he a really did a try. Yeah. He tried. He's, you know, Brandon Carr, before he left for Baltimore, he bestowed the crown on Tyrone of. Good dude, good player. Will never get credit for what he did because of what he made. They're gonna hate you. Yeah. yeah. Here you go. You, you know your payment. Your your repayment for all the money you made is nobody's gonna like you. And my hope is, my hope is based upon that, they can find a, a contract that's a little more suitable to his role. Yes. Um, and keep him here because I think he's a valuable type player to have. He's just making an, enough money to where he gets unfair criticism, in my opinion. And I'll, maybe, and maybe it's not worth the money that they're giving him for what they're asking of him. Maybe they get a, a, a deal that actually works for both sides that is a little more commensurate with what they're asking. I'll tell you this: much like Travis Frederick, he's not gonna go anywhere. Like he's uh, he again, he is a big part of that culture, that locker room. Like he's gonna be in every meeting. He's gonna be coaching the other D linemen. Like there's no obligation to be here when you go on IR right. and he's gonna be right in the thick of everything just like Travis was. All right, let's go ahead and take our first uh, our first break. When we come back, Nick will tell us a little bit about the storylines uh, this week, Cowboys versus Eagles, and then we'll get into uh, breaking down this Eagles offense with Dave. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. While a player can look good on paper, it's when he's out on the field that you really find out what he's made of. That's why the Cowboys rely on more than just stats and scouting reports when building their team. When picking a tractor, it's why you should rely on more than just specs and features. You've got to take it out and put it to the test. The Cowboys did when they named John Deere their official tractor. Experience one for yourself. Visit myjohndeeredealer.com slash football. Do you want the most interesting, up-to-the-minute Dallas Cowboys news straight from the star in Frisco? How about exclusive and on-command? That's right, news and nuggets you can't find anywhere else. With our exclusive Cowboys content on Alexa, you can have all the answers, secrets, stories, and more. What's Stephen Jones thinking during a game? What's Joe Looney's favorite pregame meal? We take your questions to Cowboys players and coaches, and you can hear the answers directly back to you. Just say, Alexa, open Dallas Cowboys. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping. The excitement of Dallas Cowboys football is back at AT&T Stadium. The place is going crazy in Arlington, Texas. Don't miss your chance to see the Cowboys live when they host their NFC East Riders, the Eagles, Giants, and Redskins, plus the Green Bay Packers and more. Elliott works his way through and walks the dog. Single game tickets are on sale now. Get them before they're gone. First and go, quarterback sneak. Prescott pushes up the middle. Touchdown. Visit DallasCowboys.com to get your tickets to 
to the break. Second segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're talking Cowboys versus Eagles. Nick, set this thing up for us. There, uh, there's a story you write on DallasCowboys.com each week laying out the uh, the five major storylines for each team. Let's talk first about those storylines for the Eagles. For the Eagles? Yes. Well, obviously, their head coach, Doug Peterson, you know, he, he had some headlines this week came, coming mm. out and saying, I mean, basically saying that, hey, we're going to go down there to Dallas and we're going to win this game. And when we do, we're going to be, you know, first place in the NFC East. I mean, I thought it was it was – it was right on, on what he was saying about you know he he's he's definitely uh, able to say that and he did retract it a little bit and say that you know hey we're playing for first place Dallas is is tough and you know that they're in the same boat as we are so you know he kind of he kind of retracted a little bit but I think he's got his message sent to his team for sure and everyone's kind of on alert with that and NBC who's doing the game probably loves it as well yeah. essentially he said publicly what coaches say to their teams yeah. privately every day right we're going to win this game so right. it is what it is yeah Dave loves to cover a coach like that um, I do they <laughs> cut you got on your their linebacker you're like the third person to tell me that today. <laughs> Sorry. Never mind. Go ahead. Taylor Lindsay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, wow. <laughs> wow. It's probably true. Uh, cover four. And Barry, yeah. Barry doesn't care about that yeah. stuff. No. Uh, the Eagles cut Zach Brown because, because, in my opinion, because he's not playing very well. But it really was convenient. He did say Kirk Cousins, the weakest player of the <laughs> Vikings team. He goes out and throws for 333, four touchdowns in the win. They were teammates together in Washington. The, Cow- the Eagles decided to cut him. I bet it's because he's not playing well and not because yeah. of that comment. I have a hard time believing Doug Peterson's willing to say, we're going to go down there and win this game, but he was so mad at Zach Brown for calling him the weak link that he cut him. No, no, it was about the play. It was about the play. But it was hilarious. I personally found very very amusing watching him after the game, and, and they're asking him about his comments, and he's like, I'm just here to talk about the game. You weren't just here to talk about nope. the game before the game, nope. so no, nah, you need you don't to talk get about to do that. Yeah, right. You already. It was hilarious. Though. Yeah. I thought it was funny. All right, the Eagles are getting some cornerback help back this week. Ronald Darby's been out with a hamstring injury, and Jalen Mills has been out since last year with the Liz mm. Frank injury. He's working back into practice, so they're getting two corners. They need it. They're 29th in the NFL right now in pass uh, defense. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little more tomorrow. Deshaun Jackson, he's been a Cowboys killer. He's got more receiving yards against the Cowboys than any other team in the in the mm. uh, in his career 11 is he back this week he is something to watch working himself back abdomen injury uh he's working himself back in he's not going to practice today but he could play in this game and i needed a fifth point and i went with the fact that you know they're very similar to the cowboys in scoring but really the fifth point should be and i'll let dave speak to this they've ruled out their their tackle mm. right yeah. yes peters. that's huge jason peters well it is until he tells you who they're going to replace him with well and i mean they kudos to the eagles they're really smart they drafted an offensive tackle in the first round knowing that jason peters is ancient by nfl and he's probably standards better than jason peters uh that's the thing well, no it's his name's andre dillard he came out of washington state i i didn't look before the show but i believe he was the first tackle drafted in this class mm. but which i mean maybe he'll be great but he he's, he's not brandon knight the report on him wow no, I'm just no. I mean, no. What I know what I mean by that not. is he was you're drafted. not talking about a guy that was undrafted versus a guy that was drafted as the first tackle in the draft. There's a difference. The report okay. on you on said it like you were like you were like he's no Brandon. No, I, no, no. That, okay. And I, I no, was not I, meaning no, any I disrespect. Saying, I'm just saying. I'm saying like you, there's a big difference between those two kinds of players. The report on yeah. Dillard is that he's very talented but pretty raw. I mean, the Eagles drafted late. They went to the second round of the playoffs. This is not a guy they got in the top ten. This yeah. is not Joe Thomas. So. 
I'm not ready to say that he's ready to step in and be dominant against Robert Quinn from day one. But you got to give the Eagles credit for foreseeing this as well as they did. And yes, I'm sure a raw first round pick is still more capable of stepping in than a lot of other guys that could, including an undrafted rookie free agent. Yeah. Um, so the Eagles offense is very talented, but it, for a variety of reasons, it has not translated in the way that you would expect at this point in the season. Some of that's their fault and some of it's not. Uh, they're 20th, they're 20th overall. They're, 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 well, they're just kind of middling. Like they're 16th passing the ball, they're 11th running the ball. They are ninth scoring. So even with all of their problems, they still don't yeah. struggle to put up points one more of, often. They're than not. one of three teams in the league that's got 20 points or more in every game. So and should be more, in all honesty. And that's the thing is like you know, Dak is a lightning rod. Carson Wentz might be getting it even worse because he's playing pretty well this year he's yes. he's completing 61 percent of his passes he's got 15 14 50 through six games which is just slightly behind Dak. uh 12 touchdowns three picks he is only averaging 6.8 yards per attempt which is interesting to me because dink and dunk Dak is over here averaging nine so you know don't let narratives or don't let facts get in the way of your Last narratives week, is what I should was say. The vertical passing game of the Cowboys is that now he's dink and dunk Dak. No, I'm so, no, that's what people always <laughs> call. Oh. They're like dink and dunk Dak. He never throws. It. Yeah, it was very tongue in cheek. <laughs> okay, Dak's averaging nine yards per attempt. He's anything but. Right. Uh, but Carson Wentz is settling for fewer yards per attempt than Dak Prescott to this point. A big part of that is probably because his receivers can't hold on to the football. They lead the league in drops, uh, 17. Actually, Dak is right there behind him. So uh, it, it speaks something to what Dak's been able to do, especially uh, not always having the people he'd prefer. But, yeah, Deshaun Jackson's been missing for most of the season. Alshon Jeffries just now getting back. Um, Nelson Aguilar's struggles catching the ball have been – immortalized by that hilarious dude who saved the babies from the fire in Philadelphia a few weeks ago. Still called him out. Uh, yeah. Um, but Wentz has not had a ton of help in the wide receiver department because of DJX's absence. They drafted a kid named J.J. Arcega-Whiteside who dropped the game-winning touchdown against Detroit in week, I want to say that was week three. Mm -hmm. um, Matt Collins has had problems with job drops. And even then, even when they're not dropping, I would say his, his receivers haven't been helping him out. It's been all over Twitter this week. Wentz threw a dime to Alshon Jeffrey last week in Minnesota. Jeffrey kind of leaned the wrong way. I mean, he was two yards behind his coverage and wound up running out of bounds on what could have been an absolutely easy touchdown. Just stuff like that. Like, Wentz is not playing poorly at all. Uh, I just don't think he's getting a ton of help. Probably the way they're offsetting that is they have two very, very good tight ends. The Eagles actually run more 12 personnel than any team in the league, 33%. They have Zach Ertz, who is 1A or 1B with Kelsey in terms of best tight end. And then Dallas Goddard, the second-round pick, uh, coming into his own, playing pretty well. I would bet they're going to lean on both of those guys pretty heavily, even if Deshaun Jackson comes back. Like, you're going to have to account for both of them. Um, Jordan Howard is the starting running back. He's very good, but the guy, like, I, Miles Sanders was one of my absolute favorite players in this draft. The Eagles are 
struggling to get him involved, which I think is a gigantic mistake. Uh, he's averaging nine carries a game and two catches a game, uh, but he's explosive. He's averaging two catches a game, but he's averaging 17 yards a catch. Mm. Last week in Minnesota, they sent him on a wheel route right through the center of the defense, and again, Two yards behind the coverage, easy 35-yard touchdown. Linebacker didn't stand a chance. It's the type of stuff I'd love to see the Cowboys do with Tony Pollard. But that's his topic. Especially on a week when you have some injuries at wide receiver. That's, another, nice. that's another topic for yeah. another day. Yeah. Uh, they're very good at converting third downs, 50%. Um, Doug Peterson, we know he's aggressive. We all watched that Super Bowl. They went for it on a fourth and two at midfield in Minnesota. They actually didn't get it, but... They're willing to. Like, this is a team that their coach is, I, I think, a little bit out in front of popular coaching tactics. So, well, I mean, let's be fair. Garrett does that. I would not, like, Garrett, Garrett is. Garrett goes for a fourth and one of the Saints and he gets it and Zeke fumbles. I mean, well, that's you fair. Know, I mean, he goes for it. Sometimes. I think Peterson's more aggressive. No, which, doubt about and, it. and no he's doubt probably the most aggressive in the league when it comes to it, maybe outside of the Patriots. Yeah. They seem like they do it quite a and bit. And there's as well. the, the whole thing with, you know, you saw them, they went for two. When they were up, what they scored to go up seven against Green Bay and went for two, which I thought was honestly ludicrous. I did too. Yeah. But that's that's the thing. Analytics people tell you that's the thing to do is like that's when you have the best chance of making it and you can make it a two possession game. But I just take the easy points. Take the easy point that's going to put pressure on the other team to convert a two point conversion. Right? Am I crazy for thinking that? Unless uh, you weren't. Three or four years ago, but now with extra points are kind of dicey too. It's almost mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not as easy as we'll just keep making the extra point. You know, maybe it's, yeah, you're like you yeah. Know what? I feel just as confident that we're going to run this route here to Jeffrey and we'll go up nine and put the game yeah. away. As you know, if it's a if it's a slam dunk extra point, but I don't know how many kickers in the league are slam dunk extra point guys. Who yeah. they have? Elliot. His name is Jake Elliot. Jake. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Jake yeah. Elliot. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I mean, if you have a team that's really good in the red zone, if you have a team that's really good in short yardage, then the argument, especially if you have a kicker that's kind of eh, then I think you can make the argument that you should go for two pretty often because, like you said, the likelihood of converting one is about the same as converting the other, and you do put an added pressure on the opponent if you can get it. So, that like, honestly, it kind of – I think they're playing better than the Dallas defense, but it's it reminds me of the Dallas defense in the sense of, like, there's talent everywhere that hasn't necessarily translated to them being as fantastic as they should be. I mean, they're only, what, one of three – Nick, you said one of three teams in the league that scored 20 every week? Yeah, and it's not – it's Seattle, Baltimore, and them. So Seattle's okay. good. Baltimore's yeah, kind Seattle, of good. But even – Baltimore's leading their division. So they're still having so they're still having success, <laughs> but they just they do not have Fair that <laughs> they do not have that explosive offense yet. And I think it's I think it's a big part has to do with the supporting cast. Like you don't have that guy that can take the top off the defense like Deshaun Jackson. Right. You don't have just a reliable guy that's just gonna catch it. I mean, you know, a guy that you can count on to make tough plays because Aguilar, he's had his moments. They get him the ball a variety of interesting ways, but he's not reliable. The rookie, Arcega Whiteside, doesn't seem like he's ready for it yet. But man, and I don't, you don't need me to tell you this, but Carson Wentz is, he's really impressive. He, he's got some Aaron Rodgers yeah. to his game in the sense of his arm is incredible. He made, he made a throw against Minnesota in this game last week. He was having the D tackle pushed back into him, and I'm not exaggerating, literally falling away and just 
flips his wrist and throws it 25 yards to Aguilar. And, I mean, it was completed, put it right out in front of him, and the coverage was good, too. Like, his arm is just scary talented. Is way better of an athlete than I would say he gets credit for being a 6'4 white quarterback or 6'3, however tall he is. I mean, he looks smoother running the read option than Dak does, in my opinion. Like, he, I mean, he can do that type of stuff. Obviously, he got hurt doing that a couple years ago, so you want to probably be careful with that. But he can hurt you with his athleticism, not just running, but extending plays, too. So he's going to be tough to account for. I was just thinking when you, you talked about Aaron Rodgers. Did y'all watch the uh, the Lions game the other night? Yes. The throw that he made to Jimmy Graham late in the game. Yeah. Graham coming across the field, yeah. and there's a corner coming off the ball. It's like that ball's got to be absolutely perfect. Not just really good throw. It's got to be absolutely perfect, or it's picked. Yep. Just the the confidence that he has to make. And he that put throw. it right on the. I mean, like right on the money. You know, like and listen, anybody, everybody knows how I feel about Dak. I think the world of him, but like that's. That's the difference between the guys that get drafted in the top five, or and you know people thought Rogers should have been the number one overall pick, and a fourth round pick. Like Dak's great, he like not very many guys have that just God given ability where you can be getting murdered and put it on a dime forty yards I away. Mean, like that's even just, when you're not getting murdered. I mean, you think about this last game, and I think a lot of those drops were on the receivers because they got to make them. But how many times this season have we said? But it could have been a better ball, yeah. right? That's just Dak's not the guy that's going to always just no. put it right on the Which, target where it needs to be. And that makes receivers. it a little tougher. Yeah, it makes it a little tougher. He needs receivers that can good. make those tough catches. Aaron Rodgers just needs Alan Lazard to go out there and make the <laughs> make the you know right. run the route. And As I say, I mean, you know, Dak Dak's capable of it. The Beasley throw against New York, and and he's thrown some dimes this season. Yeah. The one to Gallup against the Giants comes to mind, but like. Wentz, Wentz and, and Rodgers just seem to do that type of stuff five or six times a game. Yeah. Hey, um, the the other thing I was going to mention and, and throw it to you, I know you've watched a few of their games. It seems like the best that this offense has been is when Deshaun Jackson was in there, particularly in that first game. The second half, I think, was when he really kind of went off and, and they started yeah, really just having all these bombs. How much does that concern you, knowing that the Cowboys have some injury concerns in the secondary? Oh, knowing that, that yeah. last week they give up the big play. How much does that all play into this thing? If Deshaun Jackson's back, that should terrify anybody. I mean, the best—well, not the the best corner—and then your starting nickel corner, Anthony Brown, are both not practicing today. They have hamstrings, so even if they can play, that doesn't sound. And that's—I mean—that's Deshaun Jackson to a T, right? Is so. People are gonna scoff when I say this, but like I would try to put Cheeto on him as often as I could, just because Cheeto has—I mean, he ran 23 miles an hour to catch Saquon Barkley. Like he's got that speed and athleticism to keep up with him. He might not win every battle, but you would think he's not gonna get torched. Whereas a guy with a gimpy hamstring might—that's true. And then if Byron Jones can play, which I think Jones has the the best chance to play of those two corners, yeah. he can go up against Aguilar. But if you if you have to start. You know Jordan Lewis in this game, you know, and go up and and I, I like Jordan Lewis. I mean, I, I like I think he's playing well, but I mean, Aguilar. I'm mean, not Aguilar. I meant to say Alshon Jeffrey. Jeffrey you put yeah. Alshon Jeffrey against Jordan yeah, Lewis. You, you and, don't love that height matchup. Um, you know, I I wonder if the Cowboys are going to have to make a move at at corner. Like Alumbo, try to get him up. Well, you know, you got Alumbo, you got Mike Jackson. So think, let's yeah. say Byron plays. Who who's still better though? A banged up Byron Jones or a healthy Cheeto? Well, well I don't think you have to make that choice because Cheeto's gonna play regardless. I mean Well so, yeah, but I'm saying in this scenario, like who Cheeto. would you prefer putting I, on that? I I mean I'll take I'll take my chances with, with Cheeto? Cheeto. Yeah. Be, again, just 
purely on health, speed, athleticism, straight line speed, which that's what scares you about Deshaun Jackson. And then Byron, if he can play, he's got the length and the athleticism. Yeah. Like Jeffrey's game is more about length and size. I mean, I'll, I'll take my chances. Wait, with do that. you think in this here's instance, a, so? here's another big issue too, is that. This is where they hurt you with their their tight ends because Zach yep. Ertz is the guy that you would like to put a cornerback on if you can. You know, Byron Jones would be perfect to go up against Zach Ertz. Even Can't though do that now, no, not really. Yeah. So what's uh, Brian actually wrote about this for the site today? Which and it's you know don't kill the messenger, but it's probably going to be Jeff Heath that has to draw that assignment. And Heath made the play of that game in Philly last year where he broke up the fourth down pass that yeah. kind of killed Philly's chances of, of coming back to tie the game. Zachert still had 14 catches for, I don't remember off the top of my head, yeah. but he had a nice day. That's sure exactly did. where I was going to go with that. If you're talking about letting Deshaun Jackson beat you on a 59-yard touchdown or letting Zachert catch four or five passes, and that means they still have to drive the ball down the field without making mistakes on a long drive, mm-hmm. I'm going to take that. So uh, in this instance, I still say, do what you got to do to make sure Jackson doesn't beat you deep. Like, that's the first priority, exactly. I think. And, that's, and then you well, deal with whatever else you got to deal with under And the irony is that Cheeto contributed to a 92-yard touchdown just last week. Yeah. But I still think it's your best bet. But does that also make the Cowboys change a little bit? They like to play that single safety high. Does this force them, in this instance, to say, hey, this is a week we might need to keep both our safeties back rather than bringing a safety down because we got to be able to protect the back end of the field. Ertz you know caught what? 14 balls for 145 and two touchdowns well, in that game. He, you know, I mean, he'll catch 14 more if you yeah. do that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a – It's a tough – like, this is one of the – probably the most well-rounded offenses the yeah. Cowboys have played to this well, point. Well, they get oh, beat. They, they haven't get beat by the by the bad Falcons, you know. Yeah. They they get beat. I mean, so. But again, I mean, and you're right. They they got beat bad by Minnesota. Minnesota beat them by 18 points. Yeah. But there are plays they left out there. I mean, yeah, sure. everybody knows Aguilar drops a walk in touchdown that would have swung that game. Jeffrey runs out of bounds on what would have been a crazy play. And by the way, the guy that made that first game. Their offense looks so good, wasn't there. And that's the part I think is the big key here. Deshaun Jackson plays, it changes everything about how you have to defend their defense, their offense. I what still, would you want to oh. do with Jalen? Do you want to play him closer to the line or push him back a little more? I don't love, love Jalen out in space covering right downfield. Like I just I, I personally don't think that's so that's a good thing for I'm them. laughing because it's like my answer is I don't like him at the line of scrimmage. They're going up against defense tackles, so I don't. <laughs> so where do you like him? I mean, I don't. Know. I mean, look, we probably are giving Jalen. Like we're probably giving Jalen a little bit too much of a hard time. Uh, I know I, I've been pretty adamant about that yesterday. But all that being said, I still don't like him necessarily in coverage situations and playing in space downfield very much. Um, I'd much rather see him just being a linebacker going sideline to sideline. Actually, you know, I like when he blitzes. He's, he has he tends to have a pretty decent knack for blitzing. So use him in that role, you know? I know, and, you know, people criticize me because I make it sound like the other team's unbeatable sometimes, but you you have to consider the Eagles are capable of running the ball really well, too. They killed the Packers. Uh, you know, they averaged yeah. five yards a carry, ran for 175 in that game. That's before the Packers game. That's all we talked about was, well, the Eagles proved you can run on these guys. And so with the way the Cowboys have played run defense, like it's 
you can't afford to give up that part of the game because Sanders and Howard are both really good. Like it's not like this offense is purely a passing attack. Right. And it's only through for one sixty in that game. That's the thing about this offense. Like I said, it's well rounded. They have a lot of different weapons at a lot of different positions, and they force you to choose which one you're going to defend and pay extra attention to. And when you do that, they have the ability to be able to take advantage of something else. I whether they do or don't, that's the issue. I have a hard time believing that the winner of this game will have fewer than 34 points. I agree. This is going to be a barn burner. It's going to be a track meet. You have a hard so. time believing a lot of things. I do. You've been saying that and a lot in this show. I have, I have a, a few. Hard time thanks for calling out my radio <laughs> tendencies <laughs> on air, Amber. Thanks. Jerry would be so proud. I right? do. I repeat myself a lot. Sorry. All right. We're going to go and uh, take our final break. We'll come back. We'll get some questions from you guys. Call us. The number's 888-855-2297. Again, it is 888-855-2297. Or you can hit me on Twitter at Derek Eagleton. We'll do that when we come right back. This is Dallas Cowboys.com radio. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... It's right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store and learn how to buy one smartphone and get a second one on us. Based on GWS1 score September 2018. It's time for tailgate with the Otterbox boys. Otterbox? The makers of those crazy protective phone cases? The one and only. They're also wild about protecting parking lot parties from sad drinks. It's why they made Elevation Tumblers. Rumor around the crockpot is they're made from stainless steel with a copper lining to keep temps hot or cold. True. They even come in seven different sizes up to 64 ounce. The Growler. Mm. I like how Otterbox drinks. I mean, thanks. And that's been tailgating with the Otterbox boys. Check out all the colors and sizes of their elevation tumblers at otterbox.com. A man's Stetson doesn't just protect him from life's elements. It projects an unstoppable and legendary spirit, just like the men wearing silver and navy on the field every Sunday. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. They are still the official crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find Stetson hats in the pro shop or at stetson.com today. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel Will McClay and, of course, with yours truly me, Brian Broadus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. To the break. Welcome back. It is the final segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Nick, what you got? I got free to play. It's a predictive game that you don't want to forget about on nope. game days because you got a lot going on in game days. You want to make sure you remember to play. Free I forgot to play. last week. This week we're going to do it on Friday on the show. Kind of forgot. Along with all you guys that are listening to us, we'll all do it together. Yeah. yeah. And we got a little. Um, trash talk going around in the office yeah and yeah. i don't like that it I'm comes down to I don't like it that. comes down to what you have to do on sunday but you can win ten thousand dollars grand prize it's true you have <laughs> to keep bit. updating every quarter yeah. you do you do yeah. you gotta keep stay updating. on top of it 
Fans, you got to be 21 also, and also you have to update it every quarter, and you have to be logged in to play. You have to download the app. You have to pay attention every quarter, and you have to access on game day every quarter. Sounds like Dallas a lot Cowboys. of work, but you can win up you to can win a thousand bucks yeah. a week, and the grand prize is ten Gs. I need that. In. Let's do you? Let's go. I yes. thought you would pay. Mm. See, I thought that, with the nice clothes over there, I thought you would like. Let's have this conversation in your office later. <laughs> do we need to have this <laughs> conversation? <laughs> I don't really want to have this conversation. You than me. Yeah, good point. All right, right, here we go. Let's take some questions. You guys call us, 888-855-2297. You can also hit us on Twitter, at Derek Eagleson. I'll take those questions there. We have a question from B.A. Vandermuse. He says, "Um, would the defense be better with Rod calling the plays over Richard? I think Rod is better at knowing the flow of the game. What are your thoughts? Just if you took it from a big picture – of what was happening last year versus what's happening this year. Is there anything that you can put your finger on as far as how the game's being called, things that they're doing strategically that may account for the differences in what he we're was, seeing? He was calling last year, right? It's, it's a poorly kept secret that Chris Richard was calling the defense last year. Right. Rod Marinelli, I mean, tremendous respect for him, but since Chris Richard got here, his focus has been the defensive line. He's the, he's the rush coach. That's what he does. So... I know, like people want answers. That's it's it's weird. Like the personnel is mostly the same. You could argue it's better because Robert Quinn is here, and they're not playing as well. And I, I'm sure they're just as flummoxed by it as we are. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't, I don't see this huge difference in tendencies. Honestly, even you go back to around this time last year, they were still making some of the same mistakes. Seattle. Seattle torched him uh, on long touchdowns twice in week three last year. Detroit got him. Um, Golden Tate was still in Detroit at the time, and he just abused the secondary for two long touchdowns. So, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to think. And they were good last year, but it's easy to think that everything was, was perfect last year, and that's not necessarily the case. They're playing poorly. Doesn't mean they will continue to play poorly. Obviously, the hope is that they don't, but... I don't think there's like this magical pill or, you know, somebody else call the defense and it'll magically get better. I just think across the board, they're not playing as well as they were and they need to. And then the relationship between those two, I mean, from what I've seen, it appears to be really good. Like they work well together. It's not that one of them just overtakes one role completely and just has his own voice and that's what it is. I think that Rod has allowed chris richard to do his own thing and they do it mutually and it showed that it worked last year i just like that i i can't really figure out exactly what is happening this year because when you talk about the personnel it's still the same and if anything after a year it should be better the the one thing i would point out there though is i think what what we don't really always factor in is probably the two most positions the two most important positions on any defense your pass rusher and your top cornerback both those instances, those guys came into the season, came into the season coming off injuries. Yeah. They didn't practice throughout training camp. And both of them had, have a different time showing up on the injury report this year, right? Yeah. So you start thinking about that from that perspective. I think, yeah, you would expect that it's the same. You'd expect the personnel is the same. The fact of the matter is those players may not be as ready to do the things they were doing last year because of injury and because they missed training camp, right? And that may be something that takes a little bit of time for them to get to the point where they're playing at that level, maybe they're not there yet. And that's and you know, it's it's the it's 
it comes with the dinner of being an NFL player, unfortunately, is we spend all offseason like, will they be ready for the season opener? They got to be ready for the season opener. They got to be ready. And then they're ready, but they're not necessarily ready. Right. And their play suffers for it, but what else? As Demarcus Lawrence has said, oh, nobody goodness. cares. Nobody feels sorry yeah. for you. You're but, handsomely paid. And they're honestly, there's, well, okay, Byron and, and Demarcus, that's fine. What about the other nine? I mean, there's, it's a team sport. There's nine other guys that right. are, well, we've already talked about, we already talked about the fact that I don't think, I don't think right now you could make the claim that Xavier, that Cheeto, that you know Heath, that any of these guys that that Jalen or Van Der Esch are playing better than they played last year. That's my point. probably playing worse. So so yes, yeah, so the it's easy to say guy, the personnel's the same, but yeah. they're not necessarily performing better, right? Or even the same. Yeah. And I just you know I don't think it's as I I think it's as simple as they're just not playing well. Like I you know it's not like oh somebody can come in here and call something better and it'll get better. I think they all just need to. Hunker down yeah. and play better defense. And, yeah. and you know, they're we're talking about the last eight games, I guess, of last year. I mean, I, I I don't remember where they ranked after the sixth game after they beat the Jaguars, but I I bet it's not as good as what it is this year. It just it's just a perception of then then I mean they just haven't they haven't played well. The Jets are not a good offense, and they let them make too many plays, and and they didn't win. They didn't take advantage of when the defense played well. But when you just look at the stats, I mean the stats are show that this is a good defense. That's why numbers can lie because the stats show that overall this is the ninth best defense in yards. And then you look at points; it's the tenth best defense in points. So it shows that it's pretty good. Yeah. But it hasn't been good enough for an offense that's been just as inconsistent. And they're not matching up well in the mm-hmm. right games except for the Dolphins. I feel like there's probably a lot of teams in the NFL that would take what the yeah. Dallas defense has done. But the expectations, and, and rightfully so, like the expectations are higher than that based on yeah. what they did. And, and again, somebody else, uh, I had this conversation before the press conference today. It's like, they're not bad. They just don't do anything Great, and not they, even one like they don't have that one. And thing not that only really that, they at. don't yeah. do anything explosive. Again, like to, to the leader on the team has two tackles for loss. Right. I've seen Tank do that in one game before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right. Uh, they don't do that. They don't stuff the run. They don't get takeaways. And, all that stuff. And they need to be better because of the offense. Like they had a really good performance in New Orleans, mm-hmm. but they needed to be great and outstanding. And don't hold them to four field goals. Hold them to three, and then they could have won. So it, this this defense is not playing as well, but the offense has been crap at times, especially in the first half. So it needs to be better than that. That's Can why I ask a question? Sure. I don't know if you guys talked about it yesterday. You know the clip that was going around on social media with the players coming off the field? And Garrett. Garrett. Yeah. Y'all talked about it yesterday? I don't think no, we nobody. did. Okay, well... I haven't been in the locker room just yet. Even after the game, I was listening to Jerry, so I didn't go inside. Do you guys feel or think or even are having that perception of the team kind of starting to give up on Garrett? I would have to see more than that to make me believe that. Malik Collins, who you can't get him to, to, you know, he's not that, you know, outgoing anyways. And... For him to see, you know, maybe he saw it, maybe he didn't. I don't know. It's a five-second clip of it like is, but you four... know how people react. No, to of course thing. I do, and that and it's it's ridiculous. Which I think, you know, we we probably take that for granted because of how close we are. Where all of us are like, that's stupid. And but I mean, it is a valid talking point among fans and media right now. I saw it as four 
extremely pissed off and frustrated professionals right. who are like probably more focused on whatever crap happened behind them than right. who's trying to high five them. Right. I don't ascribe a lot to it at all. And you look at it again. Was it more than one? Was it like four of them? Yeah, I thought it was it, two of them. It I, was I, I two or three really guys. I, yeah. I, yeah, Malik is the on one who is really obvious yeah. in the frame. <laughs> I don't. I don't buy it. And again, you know. We we talked about this last year when they you know they fell to three and five and we had the same conversation and what happened after that yeah. and I'm not trying to say that you oh know God. they're going to go on a seven game winning streak but you know okay I think about I think about the Green Bay game that got Wade fired I wasn't even here for that mm-hmm. but Always. when when that happens that's when you know not because Malik Collins doesn't feel like giving out a high five right. you know yeah. I just, but, and I that's the thing it. like in that game it it got to a point where it was literally and Nick you you were there too it, to me it felt like as the game was going on that more and more the team was just kind of like not fighting like and that's Jason's whole big thing a fight right like in these games that they've lost these aren't games where they're just like not Fighting, they're they're in these games even at the end. They just have to figure well, out how to win, and that's a they problem. They pick it up at the right. end, that, but that's a problem that they, that they have to take so long to get there, and it's a problem uh, yeah. that they're not figuring out how to win it. Mm-hmm. But that is a different thing than they're not fighting yeah. during the game. That's right. a whole different but, thing, right? But whose whose job is it to get them ready to play? You're no, yeah, right. That's, no, and that's a problem. That's absolutely. It's been a problem. Yeah, a I problem. don't I don't mind them. Like figuring out how to win at the end is not the issue these three weeks. It's being present for the start I, and and uh, criticize Garrett all you want for quarters. that. That's, yeah, that's, absolutely, that's all fair. Huge, that's all fair part of the job. But I think the reason why my personal belief is the reason why Wade got fired is because the team was no longer willing to yeah. to fight. They were basically they get down and they it, just got. We're beat not up. at that point. And, and, no, we're yeah, not at that point. Let's not forget too that the night before the game. I mean, Rob and I were out at a. Restaurant, a watering and, hole. Yeah. Well, we saw his son, Wes Phillips. He was mm-hmm. the tight ends coach or receivers coach or whatever at the time, and he was like, "Yeah, it's just been tough. We lose tomorrow. Dad's getting fired." And we were like, <laughs> at that at, point, they're one and six. We're looking though. at each other yeah. like, really, you know, he's like, "Oh, it's you don't have to be awkward about it. Everyone knows." I'm like, "Yeah, okay." And, and then they lost forty five to seven, and then yeah. they're like, "Yeah, and maybe he was fired." This is a conversation for another day, but like, I it's it's hard to put a finger on like what that point is for this team. I mean, I think everybody last year at three and five was kind of like, "Ooh, this could be it," and mm-hmm. then it turned around. I don't feel like we're there right now, but I I do wonder how far away that is. You I know, agree. I mean. Mm-hmm. You lose this game and go into the bye. I don't think Jason Garrett's getting fired, but mm-hmm. it's it's not crazy to be wondering about it. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. The the part of it is whether it is or isn't, it's definitely going to be the talking point. Sure. And so mm-hmm. that's going to be swirling around the team if they should lose this game. And that's two weeks of it swirling around the team. And that's where it's, you have to worry about just as as the mentality of a team dynamic. Yeah. How much does that start to seep into guys' heads? And when they're going off to talk to their, you know, spending a little time away from the team and their buddies are talking to them and their family's talking to them, how much does that start to creep in their head? Man, you're head coach, man. What's wrong with your yeah. head coach? You know, that yeah. kind of stuff is yeah. the stuff you worry about when you're dealing with team dynamics. All right, we appreciate you guys. Joining us today, we'll be back tomorrow, 11.45, for Nick Keatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?